Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so dozens are arrested and three cops are hurt during a Daniel Prude protest in New York. Let's take a listen to Daniel Prude's brother. How is you sitting here in a push-up stands on my brother's damn neck? How you sitting here with your knee in my brother's damn back when he's defenseless? The video footage going to show the truth. I mean, what makes me lesser than the next man? of this American society. It doesn't make me lesser than you because my skin is darker than yours, my melon is better than yours. I don't care what it is. We all human. I'm not no animal. And that's what the f- they treat my brother like a damn animal. When I place a call and I tell this particular officer that comes to my door, my brother ain't a threat to nobody but him damn self. Don't kill my damn brother. And not even 15 minutes later, they come back talking about my brother's dead. Stop. Calm down. Calm down, okay? Calm down, man. Relax, dude. Now, this incident happened uh, in March, and... What happened was the family basically called the police because the brother uh, had either was under the influence of something. He wasn't a danger to the family, but he was a danger to himself. And they were basically just trying to get their brother, Daniel Prude, uh, to the hospital. And so they called for help. And the police showed up. They ended up putting Daniel Prude in a plastic bag. And he ended up suffocating and dying from that. And so, and this happened, you know, on, in police custody. I don't know if it happened days. He died as a result of that days later, but it was a result of him suffocating in that plastic bag. And the reason I wanted to play that video, because this that video, it happened in March, but it was just released 
this week, just a few days ago. And nothing happened before that. Once the video was released, then all of a sudden, now, you know, law enforcement wanted to actually do something about it with those officers that were involved. But until that time, from March to now, nothing actually happened. And so a lot of people are asking, you know, for police accountability. They're asking for they're asking to defund the police. You know, but my thoughts on that, and I'll be honest with you, is I don't think we should defund the police. And I don't think we should reallocate funds, however you want to word that. I do think that we need to hold our law enforcement accountable. We need to have an independent agency, kind of like an independent, um, uh, I don't know, a jury to actually bring charges when, you know, to, to really look at the information and recommend charges for that person, that officer, if they, they did something wrong and actually have them prosecuted. And the problem is they're not prosecuted. And then people always bring out, well, what about black on black crime? You know, what about, you know, when this happens? Well, you know what? Be honest with you. If I walk outside this door today and I shoot someone and I'm wrong, do you know what's going to happen? I'm going to go straight to jail. They will prosecute me and they would put me to jail, put me in jail. But if an officer does that in this situation like this, nothing happens. And that is what the problem is. Nothing happens. The entire system is designed to protect law enforcement. And I get frustrated. I get so angry and frustrated. And so what I wanted to do today is bringing, um, you know, someone that I turn to, you know, that I listen to always in, in situations like this, you know, because I, I need I need some calm in my life, you know, because it really angers me. It hurts me to a core when I listen to something like this. And, and, and I see such, you know, lack of compassion to another individual, a human being. And so I want to welcome to the show uh, former city councilwoman uh, or Houston. Uh, welcome to Come and Talk. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to talk today. Absolutely. Um, and, and so we're, we're talking about, you know, defunding the police. You know, what are some of the things that we should do? There's so much, you know, anger, so much, you know, um, tension going on around the country, protests, riots. People are angry, you know, so, you know, or what do we do? Well, let, let me start just, just a little further back because many people may not know me. I was only on the council for four years, and God knows I'm glad that I'm not there now. Um, um, I have lived in Austin ever since Austin abided by Jim Crow laws, so I've been here a long time. Um, my son grew up here in Austin, um, went to the military, served um, uh, long enough to retire, 27 years, I believe, 28 years, uh, decided then he wanted to go into law enforcement. And so he's currently in law enforcement um, in another state. Um, my first year on the council, I went through 14 weeks of the Citizens Police Academy. Because, Michael, this is not new things. This is not new uh, unarmed men, women, and children uh, who are killed by uh, police officers. This has been going on for a long time. The difference now is that we have so much technology out there on the street that people are taking videos and pictures. Uh, so it gives people a better opportunity to bring some kind of um, issues forward that we wouldn't have been able to bring through because nobody would believe us. Nobody believed us. Uh, so that's a good thing. 
but my first murder by a vigilante was was when Emmett Till was killed, uh, and I was 15 years old. And then, as a grown person, I've lived through so many. And then when I watched Mr. Floyd murdered on the streets of Minneapolis, um, I thought, wow. Those are my two bookends, Emmett Till and, and uh, Michael Floyd, and all of those named people, including Breonna Taylor, uh, uh, who've done this. And, and nothing really has happened. A very few are police held accountable. And so there are two things that I think need to happen, and one of them is not defund the police. Uh, as Austin continues to grow, uh, we continue to get more and more people into the city of Austin. So there is a need common sense is that there's a need for more officers on the street. But I think that we do need to talk about how do we retrain law enforcement so that um, they understand justice and this fairness to all of us, not just some of us. And so... Um, and when we come back from the break, I'm going to let Ora finish that thought and get to her number two as well. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk. Peace. This is Maj Touré. You're listening to Come and Talk at Radio with Michael Cargill. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. That's right. Dozens are arrested. Three cops hurt during the Daniel Prude protest. Former city councilwoman or Houston weighs in on defunding the police. And we also ask Austinites how they really feel about defunding the Austin Police Department. And so we have on the phone, former city councilwoman or Houston. How you doing, Miss Houston? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. <laughs> Outstanding. And so you're you're going over points one and two. Just one and two. Culture is the culture inside the police department is, is the first issue. I think that. They, we didn't even talk about when we were talking about where, where we we're going to move money to uh, out of the police budget into other social services uh, and other kinds of, of things that uh, probably, if you stretch them far enough, they might reach into public safety. Um, 50%, if not, maybe not 50%, but a large percentage of our police department come from the military. 
and there is a very different method of perspective about how you police in the military versus how you do community policing. So in the culture, we need to kind of retrain those military officers so that they understand they're here for peacekeeping and, and, and enforcement, but primarily peacekeeping and how you do that differently inside a community versus inside the military. The second thing is accountability, and all of us want some accountability. I mean, when we see this happen over and over again, uh, we say, if that were me or you, uh, you're right, you would have been taken to jail uh, in handcuffs. Um, and so people need to understand that um, accountability comes from two places in this state. Uh, you either have you either function under Section 143 of the Local Government Code, which is a statewide uh, collecting bargaining kind of tool that kind of regulates what goes on in police departments, or you have collective bargaining, which is what we have here in Austin. Uh, we negotiate, and that comes up in in the fall of of I'm not sure if it's this year or the next year, but it comes up in the fall. But the collective bargaining is pretty closely aligned with what's in Section 143 of the Local Government Code. And that's where you find all of those exceptions and all of those uh, things that uh, police officers um, uh, have an opportunity to um, uh, get away with that a normal citizen wouldn't. And, 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 and Michael, what I want people to understand is that I, I know – after spending 14, 14 Tuesdays under doing during the Citizens Police Academy, that their lives are very different than our lives are. I mean, every time they get out on a call, there is always the possibility that it's going to go south. And so I understand some of the issues that they respond to quickly. They don't take the time to de-escalate do escalate in a proper way, sometimes just backing off, just say, okay, uh, hold on, let me wait until somebody with the mental health background gets here to talk this person down. All of our officers get mental health training. Some of them are certified, so they get even more training than just the regular patrol officers. And so just as any organization where you might have a bad egg uh, or um, some poor performance, so does the police department. So I'm not saying all officers are bad, but I'm saying there should be a way that those officers that present those kind of issues, and some of them over and over and over again, not the deadly force, but some things that say something's not quite right there. There should be a way that the chief has the ability to get them uh, a performance review quicker, get them uh, reassigned to some other place where they're on the desk, or even fire them. So. Those are the two things that I think we did not talk about when we talked about defunding the police. The culture needs to change, and there's got to be some accountability. All right. And then, Derek, uh, do you have a, a question for a former city councilwoman or Houston? Um, no, I, th I think that uh, she says quite a lot that, that I would agree with. Uh, my only issue is that whenever it comes to uh, – Whenever it comes to issues where there's clearly mental health involved, I don't think that having just simple training uh, is is enough. You know, police officers go through um, a, a few months of of training to become a police officer. I can't imagine their mental health training is all that adequate. So, wouldn't 
uh, wouldn't somebody better qualified exist in in Austin to handle these types of cases that isn't a police officer? And there, there could be some. Uh, I spent 27 years with the Texas Department of Mental Health, mental retardation, and I realized that there's some times when you're absolutely right. It's better to spend, send a mental health professional there, uh, but you don't want to spend a mental health professional there by themselves. And then, as I said earlier, uh, it turns south fairly quickly, uh, and then we're having to wait for police to get there. So um, I was a child protective services worker, and there was a couple of times when I had to back away from going to fulfill a court order and remove a child. Um, I'd have to back up because the father came to the top of the stairs with a gun. So I backed off, but I had to take a policeman with me the next time I went to that place. So it, it's got to be done carefully, and in the time that it has taken for the decisions to be made, we didn't have the time to think about or plan who are the best people to respond to that. We already have a mental health unit in the police department who have exceptional, been trained exceptionally well, uh, just as well as most people with degrees at work at integral care, uh, but they can't be everywhere all the time. And so we have the police have that additional training that are called mental health police officers. Yes, that could be, but sometimes you never know if somebody's off their meds, what they may see or hear or feel or what they may attempt to do. So you can't just carte blanche say, let's push all of that over to a, a, a non-sworn um group of people who deal with mental health, behavioral health issues all the time. Does yeah. that make sense? And, t and Taylor? Uh, or actually, I had a question. I read what you um, wrote about how uh, defunding the police could uh, lead to more white uh, vigilantism, um, and which disproportionately um, affects black communities. And uh, frequently, I have seen the police defend white vigilantes on the street during protests. And uh, I think that's kind of broken a lot of trust within the police, the community's trust in the police department. Um, do you think there's a way that we can, like, get rid of that bias and possibly reinstate people's trust within our police department in Austin? Well, I think that's a possibility, but that doesn't happen overnight. These things have been going on for years and years and years. And so people don't seem to want to accept the fact that for the black community, we need to be protected and served just as well as every other community in this city. And so when I pick up the phone and there's somebody outside of my, um, on my front door sleeping on my porch, um, as I reported uh, a couple of years ago, and the police come finally and they put him in a cab and send him home, I, I question whether if that was my son, who is very big, black, bald, works out a lot. If he was drunk and fell asleep on somebody else's porch, I doubt stand your ground, castle doctrine, he would either be shot on the spot or they certainly wouldn't put him in a, a cab and take him um, back to the frat house where they, where they took this young man. So we have to grapple with the underlying issues and we never want to do that hard work about where, where this came from, how people of different ethnic groups and cultures and uh, experiences, how they feel about policing. Um, I know that there are many people in my part of town, 
who of my age who went through Jim Crow and vigilantes in Austin where they drove through East Austin shooting guns out, and the police did not come. You're absolutely right. The police did not come. Uh, so there's got to be a deeper conversation, and you can't have it within 90 days. I'm sorry. It's just not something you can do in 90 days. <clears throat> we, we have to have that conversation about not trusting the police because they don't seem to police us. But, again, the culture of the police department has to change. How do you feel about Greg Abbott and Ken Paxton threatening to take over the Austin Police Department now that it's been defunded? Well, uh, well, it hasn't actually, according to the mayor, it hasn't actually been defunded. They've only supposedly moved $20 million someplace, and the other 150 is over here waiting to be reallocated. Uh, I try to not to get into those kind of political kinds of uh, gamesmanship I will say that Austin is not just a city like Buda or Taylor. It's the capital of the state of Texas. And so we have an extra role that we have to play when we invite people back into our town who are visitors, uh, who come for meetings, who come to protest. And, and so we have to work together with the state agency that manages um, the capital complexes in those areas. Uh, it's you know, the police department has not had a problem with South by Southwest. With the number of people that come here every year and ACL, they seem to be able to manage that. The protests that came in this time, I think, kind of overwhelmed them as well as it overwhelmed a lot of us in the city because they didn't expect that many and they were everywhere. And so rather than saying, you know, they were trying to get their act together and how do we respond to the numbers, the sheer numbers of people. And then, guys, we've got to be real clear. There were some agitators there that had nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. And hold on real quick, or when we come back from the break, I'm going to let you finish that thought. This is Michael yeah, Cargill, yeah, yeah. and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Coley on the War, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Austin's Talk, 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, I tell you, I want to thank Orr Houston for coming on this show today. And uh, she's a former city council member, uh, a former city council woman and did an awesome job. I wish she would run again. I wish she was back on our city council because she's actually the voice of reason. Uh, she's that person that, you know, I, I sit there and I listen to and, I'm, and, and, and I want to work for, you know, because I, I, she's a great leader and I wish she was actually mayor of this city, to be honest with you. So I'm trying to push, I'm trying to push or to, you know, to come out of retirement there, you know, come out of, come out of Michael. Um... Michael, I thought you liked me better than that. Come on. <laughs> Come on. No, that's never going to happen. No, no. But I, I tell you, I, I really I enjoy our conversations. I enjoy the fact that we can, you know, you can call me and I can call you. I, yeah. I really enjoy it. I really do. I, I appreciate you so much. You have no idea. Can I say one last thing really quickly? Absolutely. All of this is going on in the midst of people. The majority of the people in this city are not paying attention to what's going on at city council. They're worried about their jobs. They're worried about their health. They're worried about um, uh, the economic downturn. They're worried about what do they send their kids back to school. There's so much going on. And for that issue to be done that quickly without getting input from more people was just a travesty to me. I thought we needed to be more thoughtful about it, spend the time to do the right thing for the majority of the people in Austin and and not just uh, a few and they have some they have some grievances i don't doubt that I, I i know they do because i've watched them over the years have the same thing happen but you've got to have those conversations you can't make these kind of decisions in a reactive mode so that's that's all i got to say and, and you're right you know because I, I watched city council when they were talking about the the funding of or defunding the police or removing funds or reallocating funds uh, that auditorium that they had this end was completely empty. No one was mm-hmm. inside the auditorium at all. Zero. I think one person showed up. And mm-hmm. they, they had how many seats, Taylor? Uh, hundreds of uh, empty seats. Hundreds of empty empty seats when they discussed defunding the police or reallocation of funds or whatever it was. And no, one person showed up out of hundreds of seats. Well, the interest groups were there and they called in, but the majority of people are not, again, and I pay, my elders are not paying attention. The folks that are my age who, who need police, who say they want to be able to have trained, just police force come when they call, they weren't calling in to say, no, don't defund them. We want to have, we have more police because Austin's growing, so we're going to need more police, but they've got to be well-trained. But again, we rushed to do something, and I just think, uh, when we do things too quickly, there are unintended consequences that happen down the road. And I just hope we take the time now to kind of sit back and think, is this really the thing we need to do? Thank you, former city councilwoman or Houston, for coming on the You're show. You're quite welcome. Uh, you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. So, and Felicia, you were saying something deep there because you're talking about, and I don't know if you remember, during the break, you know, you're, you, you had a deep, philosophical conversation there we were talking about you know 
there's a gentleman online here. I don't know his name, but I, by the way, I call in numbers 512-643-5483. Definitely call in and let us know what your thoughts are because there's a lot of comments going on on Facebook right now. It's 512-643-5483. Give us a call. Let us know what your thoughts are and, and, and tell us, you know, you know, what are we wrong? Are we right? Is there a silent majority that's being quiet right now? I mean, I personally agree a lot with what Miss Houston had to say. I think we kind of skirted around the main point, which is the simple fact of the matter that we have to get rid of qualified immunity for police officers because if you cannot be prosecuted for breaking the law, then what while you're enforcing. Yeah. Then what's to prevent you from breaking the law? And I I know that we were talking off air. The the job of the police, because SCOTUS has already ruled that it's not to actually protect us. Right. Like we (laughs) that's why I carry. Right. It's all for one and one for all here. So their job is to get the suspect safely and alive. I say that because there seems to be some confusion out there to the jail so that they can be tried fairly by a jury of their peers. That's not the police. It's not the cop's job to be judge, jury, and executioner. And I don't know where that changed. I know she brought up the fact that the military, the militarization of our police has become a severe issue. Um, But getting rid of qualified immunity has to be step one and why that's not getting more um, headline time and why the, the legislation being filed from some of our more libertarian GOP candidates in Congress is not making headlines and people are not supporting that. I think that just shows the the severe disconnect by the people who are protesting and whether or not they actually want to impact change or if they just want to yell and scream and be heard. Now, Derek, there's some kind of conversation going on about lynching. What's that's all about online, Derek? Um, there's been uh, over the past couple of months, it, it's I haven't seen any throughout uh, August, uh, but I do remember seeing several articles uh, throughout June and July where there were legitimate lynchings and hangings of people of color uh, throughout the throughout the Deep South, and you know that wasn't even getting talked about a lot. And you know one one of the people commenting was saying that you know the the days of the essentially the days of lynchings are over. I mean, not really. I mean, it's not nearly as prevalent as it once was. Uh, throughout the 50s and 60s. Uh, but it's not over. Racism is not as dead as everybody believes it to be. And I hold myself uh, as once holding that belief too. I used to dismiss it myself uh, until I started witnessing things with my own eyes and actually seeing some of the things and, and interpreting them honestly without my own injecting my own biases at the time into, well, maybe there was a valid reason for that or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I'm actually, um, uh, he asked me for some, some links. So I'm, uh, going to pull up some links for, uh, some, some of those articles that I was talking about whenever it comes to lynchings. All right. Yes, Michael. Uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Derek. Uh, no, but I wanted to talk uh, about kind of echo Felicia's sentiments because she was talking about any qualified immunity as step one, and I absolutely agree with her. Um, you know, people like Rand Paul also have pushed to end no knock warrants in qualified immunity, and that should be taken very seriously. And unfortunately, uh, the GOP position is that if you if you reduce the power of the police 
uh, departments, then they won't be able to do their job as effectively. They won't be able to, quote unquote, keep us safe as effectively. Uh, and ultimately, I, I think that and this is not a shot at you, Michael, you know that I love you. But uh, ultimately, I think that this is indicative of the of the hypocrisy that Republicans have in that they they preach that they want small government when law enforcement legitimately is the state agency that is that invokes tyranny. They are the embodiment of tyranny that conservatives say and claim that they would stand up against, but they're not doing it. And that's because the tyranny that the cops are invoking are is pretty much tyranny they agree with. And that's not liberty. That's antithetical to liberty. Mm, okay. Gary? Yeah, and qualified immunity. <laughs> Taylor? Yeah, in qualified immunity, please. <laughs> There's no please. Sorry. I'm going to no, take away Taylor's no, politeness. No, like, there's no please. It's in qualified immunity, period, or we're going to primary your butts. Like, this, like, I'm so sick of it. Like, I'm reading the comments. I love watching the comments whenever we're live. And you guys are like, well, it's the Republicans. It's the Democrats. Nah, y'all. It's everybody. <laughs> the Democrats Amen. don't know what the heck they want. They're, they're, like, if you just look at them five to eight years ago, and then you look at them today, like, they're all over the place, okay? And then the Republicans are like, we love limited government and fiscal responsibility. Oh, wait, don't cut that budget. Oh, wait, no, we need them to enforce our insane amount of laws. We need such drastic criminal justice reform in this country that we would need more than an hour to talk about it. But we it's have, We not, have an hour and a half today. It's not just <laughs> no, a partisan problem, and I want everyone to get out of their little Democrat, Republican, and Libertarian echo chambers and start actually looking at who's in office, who can make an impact, and what the heck needs to be changed because the, the partisan BS is just really, really starting to tick me off. So I've seen a movement called uh, We Keep Us Safe, which is a slogan that came from an activist in Oakland uh, from a book he wrote by the same name. And it's um, basically speaking in an abolishment for the police department in putting this set like removing the separation of power between the police and the people and putting that place to like keep justice in the hands of the people. And I think it's something that could possibly stop and lessen violence. It could put people keeping each other safe instead of having the separation of a department of that's like reaping tyranny on people. And this guy wants to abolish the police completely. Um, yeah, little by little. So this isn't one of those people that says they want to keep the community safe and then burns down a car dealership. No, no, no. This is someone they're they're (laughs) putting through action already over in, um, over in the West coast with, uh, it's MH first. It's a response thing in Oakland as well. So it's community response. So Michael? it's replacing the police how do you already. Feel about I, I, Michael, I, how do you feel about Rand Paul? I'm curious. Well, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not gonna, don't mess with me right now. <laughs> um, I have solace. <laughs> all right. So first of all, uh, the people that, that talk about, the uh, you know, getting rid of police, get rid of police and let's have our own little private little 
police entity and stuff like that, you're you're creating the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Where I have to, I can't afford law enforcement, but I'm gonna hire a private private, uh, private security private contractors. Security. And then I'm all poor, the, and, and, <laughs> and you know what's gonna happen? And then all the rich white people that everybody's we'll worried good, about are gonna have the best security, exactly. and nobody else is gonna have nothing. Exactly. It's actually, it's, if I may interject on that, since uh, this is something that I actually believe in. Um, you know, first of all, th- under my philosophical, uh, not utopia, because I'm, I'm fairly, I'm not naive enough to believe that everything's going to be peaches and cream. Uh, but you would have, uh, you wouldn't have a state that would be extorting money from you via taxation. So you would actually be keeping everything that you, uh, uh earned prices wouldn't be artificially inflated by eight to 10% for point of sale taxes, et cetera. Uh, and also charities would exist for those who couldn't afford law enforcement uh, or or uh, personal security, uh, but how are you going to pay for that? Yeah, I'm that sure the charities won't be corrupt. How are you going to um, pay for that? How am I going to pay for what the charities? The because police department. Well, there's uh, there's multiple uh, scenarios in which capitalism can come up with something, but I really like uh, Murray Rothbard's example of maybe it would be tied to like your insurance provider who would outsource or contract a a private security firm because they have a uh, monetary and fiduciary responsibility to you as their client to ensure right, we that come, we come one, back. We come back from the break. Go Derek is, is going to tell us about printing money. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hey, this is AWR Hawkins of Breitbart News, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Austin's Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. I'm Gary Faust with Come and Talk It. And today we are in Austin, Texas, downtown. And we're going to go around the city today to ask people how they feel about the Austin City Council defunding the Austin Police Department. Last week, the the Austin City Council unanimously voted to cut the police budget by 33%. That's $150 million. They're going to reinvest that into social programs. Do you agree with that? I actually do agree. I mean, I don't think that all police officers are bad, no, but I do believe that police officers do need to be held accountable for everything that's been going on in society. Do you think it's going to be a beneficial thing for society to cut the police budget? No, absolutely not. Why in the world it help, not helping the police? We were supposed to retrain them. It was a behavioral issue, not a funding issue. How do you feel about the police being defunded? I, I'm honestly under the impression that it's kind of like counterproductive because in, in my eyes, the problem is that like the police aren't getting good enough training. Like you see police officers mishandling situations like that. What do you think about the police? Um, I don't think that they're fair sometimes. Austin police, I think that they can be a little mean and I feel like they pick and choose who they want to, you know, push around. Do you think that they should have be, been defunded? 
yes, I do. Do you think that the recent move to defund the police was a good move? Absolutely not. I believe um, defunding the police is going to cause the crime, crime rate to go higher and there's just going to be more incidents and police are going to be stressed out more. There are going to be more, um, what do you say, angry policemen out there on the road. Um, they need to be, there needs to be a pro proper amount of resources for the amount of people in the city. Do you think that owning a gun is an important part of everyday life? I mean, personally, I do not own a gun. Do you support uh, other people's rights to own a gun? Um, yeah, sure. What would you consider your political affiliation? Um, I think I'm more of an um, independent. I believe um, certain things from both sides. How do you feel about gun ownership? Do you think that everybody should carry a gun? Second Amendment is very good. It's the only thing that protects me from being totally overridden by all these FU people. All right. What would you say your political affiliation is? It is Republican. How do you feel about gun ownership? Like in general? Um, I think that the point that we're at here makes it kind of difficult to go back. You know, we can't, we can't go back. Like, we, we, we couldn't do a gun buyback. That just wouldn't work, I don't think. What is your political affiliation, if you have one? I, I'm a registered Democrat. What do you think about gun ownership? Why not? I mean, I don't think everyone should have one. No, I don't. But I have one, so. I do, too. What would you consider your political affiliation, political party that you align with, however you want to de 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 uh, describe yourself <laughs> politically? Um, I'm a Democrat. A Democrat? Yes. Do you believe that gun ownership is important and it's an, uh, a, humane, a human right? I believe in that as long as they're properly trained and know what they're doing with their guns. I mean, that's really important. What would you consider your political affiliation? Right now, I'm not even sure right now, to be honest with you. I don't even know what's going to happen in November. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Austin, Texas on defunding the police. I'd say the ratio of people that want to defund the police to people that do not want to is about 50-50. A number of people did not want to admit on camera that they did not want to defund the police, possibly due to social pressure. I don't know. Um, stay tuned for next week's episode. I'm Gary Faust with Come and Talk It. All right, so Gary, man, what are your thoughts on that? What are my thoughts on that? Well, I think, Michael, that we have a serious issue of people feeling like their speech is chilled mm -hmm. because uh, we interviewed, Charlie and I interviewed like probably a dozen people, and the majority of people did not want to be on camera, and everybody that did not want to be on camera was saying that they did not think the police should be defunded. Mm. So I don't, a, I don't know a, what to make of that. My, my knee-jerk reaction is that they've, they feel like it, there's a, uh, it would, they would... There's a loud anarchy minority. <sighs> you know, I don't know. I'd say it's like social pressure brought on by the slogans we see all over the streets. It's like there's a stigma associated... Exactly, what he just said. It's like there's a stigma associated with being not even necessarily pro-police, but just sort of in the middle of the road. Not necessarily pro-police, but don't think we should defund them, but think we should hold them accountable. Yes, and I would also say that I noticed a uh, everybody I talked to was pro-2A, whether they were Democrat, Independent, Republican. I did not talk to a single person that said we, that, we, that we flat out should not have guns. There were some people that said some people should be you know, restricted, this and that. Because um, I would be concerned with someone that thinks that we should defund the police and then not have any guns. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Uh, but we also live in, this is Texas. So everybody I talked to was pro-2A, uh, to, a, to some degree. Nobody, I, let me put it this way, nobody was anti-2A. And they're, do you want me to elaborate? No. Yeah. Um, 
What's that? Yeah, I, I don't care about those people. So here's the thing. The, the, the police issue of defunding the police crosses party lines here. This is not, this is not people, every Republican thinks we shouldn't and every Democrat thinks we should. Not even close from, from my experience. I only interviewed 12 people. All right, that's not a huge survey size, but uh, that was that was what what the video we put together there that Charlie and I put together was was I think pretty a pretty good sample of what of of the larger population that we spoke to. All right, what do you think, Zach? What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, if we defund the police, then we're going to have more Kyle Rittenhouses. Absolutely, is going to have more. I'm going to. You know, carry a gun. Is that a good or bad thing? How many guns do you carry, Michael? Two. Is that a good or bad thing? <laughs> Is that a good or bad thing? <laughs> I can see it being a good thing. Yeah. You know, uh, if but, it also arms more people. Yes. I don't. I don't necessarily. And there was also a, a couple of other questions we asked. Uh, one of them was, "Do you think that defunding the police is going to result in higher gun sales?" And by, I mean. Probably 80% of the people have said, yeah, they think that more people are going to buy guns if the police are defunded. I mean, we're already seeing that. Like, we've hit record after record after record this year in gun sales. We've seen that. These people have no idea. Most people don't follow the the firearm news and sales and et cetera, et cetera, as much as we do. But regardless, people are are agreeing with a trend that's already occurring, and I think they're they're saying that it's going to continue to climb. Derek? Yeah, uh, Michael, you know, you say something at the end of every show that is absolutely 100% correct, and that is more guns equals less crime. Obviously, I am, uh, you know, I am a firm believer in that myself. So if more guns equals less crime, how does, where does the police fit in that? You shouldn't have any issues with defunding or eliminating the police, privatizing the police or anything like that, as long as uh, our right to bear arms is absolutely recognized, correct? Touche, Michael. Yeah, I just want to know how we're going to pay for those, please, though. <laughs> well, we don't have enough time for me to break it down. Maybe another show. I, no, we got I, another I, 40 minutes. Yeah, we got. Oh, are we going to 530? Hour and a half, brother. We're going to go to 530. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm just Break it down for the old how, man. How are we going to afford the? Yeah, because I'm, I'm kind of old. I'm getting old there. <laughs> okay, well, as I said earlier, uh, under my um, Ancapistan, an- anarcho-capitalist <laughs> society, uh, there wouldn't be any taxation, so you would keep everything that you make. You wouldn't spend any more than is actually absolutely, you know, the the market value of an of any commodity or what have you. So your dollar would go a lot further. It would also likely be backed up by t- something tangible and valuable, uh, not just uh, fiat currency that's just printed and created out of thin air. Uh, so your dollar would go a lot further. Your you your money. So gold? I'm sorry. Gold? Gold and silver? It, it 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 could be anything that has an actual tangible value. There's a difference between money and currency. Money holds its value throughout uh, centuries and, and throughout millennia. Uh, currency is a representation of that that is based on faith and fiat, which is what, what I'm, uh, I'm starting to value. I'm starting to see is. bullets. Bullets, ammunition. Yeah. Cigarettes, Bullets also sure. Coffee. Um, you're, you're getting into uh, economy, more brother. of a bartering system. <laughs> yeah, you'd be, you'd be getting into a more of a bartering system with that, which I don't think is uh, is effective because I don't know how you judge 
how much nine mil ammo is going to be worth, uh, you know, a loaf of bread and a gallon of milk. Depends on what what is it worth to you? Is it worth it to you? If I got the ammunition, I need some bread. Okay, here's my question for you. How do you prevent a monopoly in your ANCAPA states of whatever? Uh, Okay. What did you call Um, it? ANACAPISTAN? Anarcho-capitalism, the, the slang is ancapistan. No, 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 ancapistan. There it was. I just want to make sure I got it. Yeah. Okay, so how do you prevent a monopoly uh, in this scenario? Uh, the market, the, a truly free market will not really allow for a monopoly to survive for very long. Um, and if a monopoly does survive for very long, it's not a bad thing because the market has determined that this is actually fine. The only monopolies in modern history that have ever actually come to fruition have been as a result of the state intervening in the market and helping create that monopoly um and also the state already has plenty of monopolies on uh violence law enforcement and uh death and extortion and all these other wonderful things um that the that the state has a monopoly on so i mean let the purge begin (laughs) does that (laughs) That's where we're going, brother. I uh, don't know what to say to that. That's where we're going. All All right, right. we come back from the break. We're going to get into what happened in Washington, D.C. We're going to talk a little bit more about this, defunding the police. I tell you, I just don't know. But I'm listening to you, Derek. I'm listening. All right, we come back from the break. We'll get into it. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Chad Jones here, and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back and we're talking about and dozens were arrested at, uh, in New York there. Three cops hurt, were hurt by protesters during the Daniel Prude protest. Uh, former city councilwoman Orr Houston came on the show. She talked to us about defunding the police. Uh, you can, once the show is posted, go back and listen to that. We also asked Austinites how they really feel about defunding the Austin Police Department. So, man, there's a nice little video of that. We're going to break that down for you throughout the week there. We'll share that video with you by itself throughout the week also. And so now I want to talk about what happened in Washington, D.C. about a week or so ago. There's a lot of protests, a lot going on. It was the anniversary of the Martin Luther King Mm -hmm. speech, uh, I Have a Dream. And Taylor was there. Taylor, what happened? Yeah, I was there. There's more people who... Showed up that time than the original one. It was the 57th anniversary, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was quite a beautiful thing to watch. There was, it was powerful. That's all I got to say. And How it powerful was, was it? It was quite <laughs> powerful, honestly. I enjoyed it a lot. A lot of love and everything. And um, actually, um, a lot during... of music, a lot of dancing. Oh, yeah, a lot of dancing, a lot of smiles on faces. And I saw something uh, really great. Um, actually, um garrett foster's um widow um was there too and i saw her during the march and she had a big old smile on her face and that was really great to see nice oh that's awesome we gotta get in the studio uh sometime put a put a face to that name mm-hmm. of course of course and then there's some you got some video right yeah of course what kind of, what um you guys know play it or what video do we have we've got some videos from uh mr 
Blount's yeah, yeah. Twitter account. Okay. All right, so we're going to play some video <laughs> of, of what happened in D.C. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's no audio on, on some of this because of the uh, swearing, the expletives. Yeah, people were pretty loud, a lot of anger during that night. Um, there's the RNC before that. And, um, I mean, I remember as the uh, fireworks were going off, there was a lot of protesters around surrounding. Well, the, hey, uh, while we're, well, why were there fireworks? Um, well, the RNC happened, and uh, Trump was, uh, I guess, officially nominated for um, to run run for run, president run again. Yeah, yeah, and people were not happy as the fireworks going off. Yeah, people were yelling pretty loud explicitives and running so, around. Hey, while we're yeah. waiting for this video to pop up here, yeah, yeah, um, it's, it's playing. By the way, it's playing. Go okay, ahead. so you yeah. see this. Can you see it over there? Yes. Uh, so this is Washington, D.C., people being tear gas. Uh, you, got, you got hit with a flashbang. Yeah, thrown right next. I actually got hit by two. It was very disorienting, but um, after sitting down for a couple minutes, I was kind of fine. Uh, a lot of ringing in my ears. Um, I also watched a fellow press member, um, uh, Hiram. He's a local live streamer. Get a whole can of bear mace just blown into his face nice. by standing there while uh, videotaping the police at the police line. Now, did you also he, say that he, he kind of was... he, he kind of deserves it? But go ahead. Did you did you <laughs> say that um, Hiram also had, or maybe it was another photojournalist? who uh, had their camera stolen or something like oh, that? Oh, it was Hiram, actually. Um, the protesters thought he was from another press agency, and uh, they seemed to be kind of aggressive towards police, and they did take his um, his camera. And this video that they're playing now with the uh, them throwing the uh, smoke grenade underneath the people, they're all just sitting there around there. There wasn't really too much, like, protest or pushing on the police barricade after they pushed them out of Black Lives Matter Plaza, which is what you can see when them dancing, playing the DJ stuff there. They, um... They just started throwing flashbangs at people who were peacefully protesting, and it, it started. The police were the ones who kind of kicked off the violence there because someone got up on the barrier around that church um, on Black Lives Matter Plaza, which uh, no one's allowed to go near, and a police officer pushed him off. And a, and uh, after that, people threw water bottles, and then next thing you know, flashbangs, tear gas was coming out of everywhere. And now it looks like they get ready to chop someone's head off. Oh yeah, that's in front of Jeff Bezos's mansion, actually. Um, they built a guillotine, and they had a lot of people speak. Um, Wait, hey, why, why, did, why did we just gloss over the fact that a group of protesters beat up somebody that's part of the independent press? That's a problem. Um, yeah, they thought, he, yeah, there's a lot of, like, scrutiny on members of the press right now because, um... So people, do these protesters not believe in a free press? Um, they don't believe, they believe that sometimes when people shove their cameras in people's faces, it's going to get the protesters themselves targeted by police, and people are very afraid of that. Because police do come after people. Yeah, but after that's the press's job. It, it that's is what their a job, free press is. It is. It is. And if but, you're in public, yeah. you have the right to record somebody. Period. But it's also ethically. You also ethically no, believe that you have to protect your sources as well while you're there. Yeah, but if, somebody, if somebody's there way. recording something that it, that they want to record and uses the, as, as part of the news package that they're creating, they can do that. Yeah, they can. But I think it's also important to protect those people as well because they are your subjects. Like in what your your story as well, in our job is not to protect people. Our job is to report the news and what's going on. 
The police's job is to protect you. Yeah, yeah I didn't, no, didn't no, really no, look no. like that. <laughs> what in the world? Uh, hey, Derek, Michael, there, ahead, Derek. There, there, there are numerous uh, Supreme Court cases as well as lesser court rulings that say that the police have zero legal duty or so obligation to protect someone. you. So yeah. only not duty. their job. Only hey, Derek, what do you Gino think about this? Uh, you know uh, I'm making a joke there, What Derek. do you think about these press, these members of the, the independent press and freelance journalists getting attacked and having their cameras stolen and being targeted? Do you think that's acceptable? Not at all. Why would why would I think that somebody, I, I, that theft of property is, is I, acceptable? I, hey, I did not think that you would think that. I just wanted to And if that's theft in the nighttime <laughs> you know in Texas, you could use force or deadly force. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, that's true, but sometimes in Texas, what I've seen is the police, um, APD specifically, go after members of the press. Just uh, last Saturday. That's not they, okay, too. Yeah. The this, police I, shouldn't do it and no, protesters yeah. shouldn't do no, it. No, neither side should. And police and, uh, shouldn't throw flashbangs and smoke grenades at people who aren't doing anything. Yeah. Hmm. And also, uh, I I was at a uh, a protest a couple of weeks ago, and this guy I'd never met before uh, was there. We were talking back and forth, and he showed me some video that he took uh, where he got shot with a tear gas grenade from like three feet away, and nothing ever happened to that cop. His badge number was covered up, his face was covered, and he was uh, going around just doing whatever he wanted. But, you know, it's just a few bad apples, right? It's it's not that it makes up, uh, oh, well, never mind. We only have 750,000 sworn police officers that do this and constantly get away with it due to qualified immunity. Never mind. Sorry. I'll just, I'll just strike my previous comment. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. All right. And so... Uh, now there was one video that I, I saw there was uh it was a drone. Mm, are you talking about the helicopter? That was, was it a helicopter? Yeah, that okay. was in Adams Morgan. Um, there was a protest that went through kind of the like uh suburbs and kind of like like high fidelity areas of okay. um of a uh, DC. And um, all I gotta say is they walked through there. There was no trash can that was safe. Um, is that okay? Um, I don't know. Throwing trash all over the. Street? Nah, I don't know. Not I really. I call that criminal mischief at night. Yeah. Throw, oh, I, and criminal mischief at night, you can use force of deadly force in Texas. Force of deadly just put, force. Just putting it out there. Watch out. I don't but know why go, anyone want to protect their trash with a gun, but I, I, I do get it. I would. Look, man, I don't know if you if you realize this. Seriously, this is serious time. Yeah, yeah. The environment's dying. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> So, Michael, I'm, I'm if kidding, someone I'm is kidding. upending my well, trash not, can I... at night, mm -hmm. do I do I have the right to shoot them? I don't know, but if you perceive that to be criminal mischief, they're creeping around your property or doing something around your property. It's nighttime, 30 minutes after sun, 30 minutes before sunrise, 30 minutes after sunset. Uh, you may be possibly able to use force, daily force, to stop that. What about 29 minutes? Not 29. You got to wait. No, that, that, that's murder because the government. <laughs> yeah, does it, so. it is. <laughs> 30 minutes is okay. Yeah, that's right. That's considered 29 murder. minutes is murder because right. the government said so. That's, that's right. That's, a, that's crazy. And then if you, you know, all, all this burning stuff down and stuff, that's, we call that arson. You know, in Texas, you can use force, daily force to stop arson. And it doesn't matter if it's daytime or nighttime for arson. It doesn't have to oh, be thank your God. own property. I, I'm, thank right. you, State, for if it pleases the crown. Thank you for allowing me to prevent arson. Absolutely. Whether During it's the day, only if it's, I'm, I'm not worried about someone else's property. I'm just worried about mine. Just don't burn down my property. That's what I'm saying. Is that okay? I mean, I, I would, I would say so, but I'm also not a fan of the state. <laughs> because setting la up last weekend we actually we had someone on the show that that believed. Well, hold, hold that on, hold on. He was about to say something. I think that was perfect. Oh, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. 
I, I'm not a fan of the state setting arbitrary lines of what is acceptable and what's not. It's it's it, it's very clearly established under just even natural law whether somebody is an offensive aggressor or acting in self-defense. It shouldn't that matter should if be it's the day only or thing night. that exactly. Yeah, it shouldn't matter if it's day or night. Shouldn't matter if X, Y, or Z criteria is met. Or did he retreat first? Did he, you know, did he warn him in some way beforehand? No, it's all stupid. This is this is why the state. Well, I'm. I'll, this is well, why the state. Well, is you got to take that. You got to take that up with the Capitol and go to the Capitol and get those things changed. Do you, know? do you think right, that Kyle Rittenhouse so was in the right? right? I'm sorry. Do you think Kyle Rittenhouse was in the right? Everything that I've seen so far, I would suggest. I would suggest that he acted in self defense. Uh, now, whether or not his presence there was uh, morally acceptable is another topic. But I don't. I, I. I can't. I don't know what was in his heart. I don't know. What, what do you his mean morally were. acceptable? Well, uh, yes, he worked in that area, um, but it seems like to go out of your way into what is a volatile situation uh, while armed is uh, is questionable. I haven't read. What's the difference between that and Garrett Foster? Uh, Well, Garrett Foster was there. You know, uh, thanks, Michael. You, you just had to bring this one well, back. Garrett, you know, this, you know, you know Garrett, that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here well, for. Well, Garrett was protecting people. I'll tell you what. Kyle's protecting property. I'm going to give you time to think about that. We come back from the break. We'll talk about that. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Coley on the War, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. That's right. Happy Labor Day weekend, everybody. This is the last holiday of the summer. Woo! Let's see if the uh, the COVID-19 test results come back, you know, in about, what, 30 days from everybody. So not mine. I'm good. <laughs> mine are all good. Always good. I get tested. Just joking. I don't tell my my medical history. Anyway, <laughs> this week, shut up, Felicia. This week, <laughs> this week, what we're gonna do is uh, we're actually going to federal court. We're actually having our day in court in Austin uh, uh, to fight for bump stocks. And it's not about bump stocks. It's just it's about the federal government. Walking into your house telling you what you can, you cannot own, and they're going to take it from you. They're going to charge you with a felony if you keep it, if you have one. So we're actually getting our day in court this week, and so you'll, we'll, I'll bring more up about that as we get more into the week, maybe on the day of or something like that. So we'll talk about it because I don't like a lot of people down there in federal court. They don't play that mess down there, and we don't like a lot of people down there. So as we get closer to the day, maybe the day of, I'll, I'll let you know what day it's going to be. But we're at, we will be in federal court and how have to testify as to why, you know, I believe that I should be able to have, you know, keep my bump stocks, you know, because there's a federal agency that they don't write laws. Congress writes laws, not federal agency. So we'll we'll get into that later in the week. And then uh, so, Derek. Hey, yes, what's up? So, <laughs> hey, uh, I got I got a statement from Rittenhouse's lawyers. This is a direct quote from the third paragraph of his lawyer's statement on why Kyle Rittenhouse was in Kenosha that day. <clears throat> I, I'm, a, I'm aware. I'll let you read it for those who haven't. 
After Kyle finished his work that day as a community lifeguard in Kenosha, he wanted to help clean up some of the damage, so he and a friend went to the local public high school to remove graffiti by rioters. Later in the day, they received information about a call for help from a local business owner whose downtown Kenosha auto dealership was largely destroyed by mob violence. The business owner needed help to protect what he had left of his life's work, including two nearby mechanic shops. Kyle and a friend armed themselves with rifles due to the deadly violence gripping Kenosha and many other American cities and headed to the business premises. The weapons were in Wisconsin and never crossed state lines. So when you say that the hat might not morally have been uh, in the right being there, it seems to me like he was protecting the property of someone that essentially um, asked him to contracted him. No, to do I, it no, I, I, I look. I'm not. I'm not shaming Kyle Roddinghouse uh, by any means. I I don't know everything. All of the details. I would I would say everything that I have seen would say that it is a justified uh, use of defensive aggression against people that were what from all appearances trying to aggress against him. I don't know what spurred all of that. I, I'm just going off of what I know. What makes this different from Garrett Foster, uh, Garrett Foster was there for very similar reasons to serve as a, uh, as security for his people protesting. And, um, and as far as morally correct, um, you know, I, I would say that they're very similar in that aspect. I myself have been out protesting in a full kit, marching with BLM. Um, I don't do that. I know in my heart why I'm there, and it has nothing to do with that I'm hoping anything happens. Um, I can only claim that to you, and it's up to you whether or not you want to believe me. And and like I said, this is not something that we can prove with uh, – I don't know what was in Kyle Roddy's heart. I don't know what his intentions were or anything like that. That's all I mean by that. Uh, the big difference is that Daniel um, – what's his name? The guy <clears> – <throat> yeah, Daniel Perry uh, did commit an act of offensive aggression first. Uh, by the way he, that he drove his car, even if it was negligent, unintentional, what have you, the the manner in which he he drove is uh, is per, can be easily be perceived by any rational or reasonable person to be an act of aggression. And since at no point did uh, Garrett Foster's weapon ever uh, train on him. Uh, there is no way that I can justify what happened to Garrett Foster like I can what happened with Kyle Roddinghouse okay, and him so, shooting. But you would agree that both Garrett Foster and Kyle Rittenhouse both had the right to be where they were. and Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, just because I, I say something might be morally questionable doesn't mean that they don't have the right to do it. Rights and morals are two completely different things, and I'm not going well, what's, to pretend what's, that. What's morally in question about Rittenhouse's presence in Kenosha? I mean, just the fact that I don't know what was in his heart. I mean, that, that that's all that I mean by that. It's not a condemnation of him as an individual. It's not a condemnation of him using uh, defensive aggression in order to protect his own life. Felicia? That's— it kind of sounds to me like the owner of the dealership happened to employ Kyle for that <clears throat> private security that you were talking about earlier. Seems like you'd be on board with this. Yeah, that's exactly what it seems like to me as well. And and if that is in fact the case, then yeah, I would absolutely be on board with something like that. Again, I, I, I that's all I'm saying is that I, there you know, might. I, I expect for you to stand up the way you're standing up for Gary Foster. I expect for you to stand up for this guy here. I would agree. Well, I Why think is the that? fundamental question is uh, 
what's more important, private property or human life? Yeah, I, I don't agree. I don't think that's. That's not a valid. You can't argument. answer that. You can't answer that question because private property is the other half of individual life. That's what makes up that's liberty. That what makes up individual freedom. So neither is more important than the other. I agree. And we got some breaking news coming out of Zoka Park. There, apparently, a woman was stabbed in the face at a bus stop. Ladies, be wow. careful while you're out there, and definitely well, carry your gun. I took the words right out of my mouth, Michael. It's almost like you own a gun shop. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there, uh, and I hope she's going to be okay. But definitely be aware of your surroundings at all times. Hey, let's talk about Portland, that Portland shooter. Boy, let Ooh. me tell you, karma, karma, karma. Hello. You don't go out, go out in Portland, shoot someone, and then do an interview with Vice News with and literally Vice say, he News. literally says, you know, every um, the attorneys that I've talked to said I shouldn't talk to you guys. How about every attorney? <laughs> I think every attorney would say don't talk, you know, to the media after you before you give a statement to police. And then literally while this is being aired on Vice, he ends up getting shot and killed. I would like to say that I, um, I, I honestly cannot believe that this guy did that. That went on there. I think that he was wanted to get. I think they went. He wanted to get caught. I think he wanted to be a martyr. That's my personal opinion. Here's the here's the story. Investigators were. Se- this is from the Washington Post. Investigators were seeking to take Michael Forrest Rinal into custody in connection with the fatal shooting of 39 year old Aaron Danielson on Saturday after confrontations between supporters of President Trump and Black Lives Matter counter protesters. Uh, the agency said Rinal was shot by police near Olympia, Washington, after drawing a weapon on officers as they tried to arrest him. So essentially what happened, if you missed this story, was that in Portland, there was a, uh, a Trump caravan that was going through town, and uh, there was some clashing. There were, The Trump supporters were spraying bear mace at people, and there was fights, and all your, your basic stuff that's happening now across the country in every major city. Um, after the protest, at some point, there were two gentlemen walking on the street, and this guy, Michael Reinald, he... Um, you can hear in the audio, uh, someone had been filming, they had the phone aimed at the ground, but you can hear in the audio, they said, we got two right here. And the guy said, these two? And he, and he says, yeah, pull it out. And he says, right here? And then you hear two gunshots. And it almost sounds like some sort of a like political assassination of, of a low, really low grade. But um, So this guy shot this dude twice, killed him, and then went on the run, gave a Vice interview, <laughs> and almost immediately afterward... Was uh, the feds ran up on him and he tried to pull out a gun. He, I'm assuming he, he suicide by cop. I think that could be inferred here. Educated guess. And he is dead. That's the whole story. Within hours of that interview. Within hours. Yeah. And I, it, was it not Vice who almost also got McAfee caught? John mm-hmm. McAfee? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And they leave geotags in their photos. You, you, you don't do that. You don't learn by doing interviews with Vice News. I'm yeah, Vice News. After is, you allegedly uh, commit a crime. Woo! Just so what do you think about there. that, Michael? You think this guy got? Do you think justice was served in this scenario? No, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna say you need to be smart. You need to be smart with everything that you do. Uh, when you come in contact with law enforcement, you know, and this goes to, you know, I the the guy we're talking about, Daniel Prude. You know, if my family, I would never call the police if I think one of my family members were having uh, some type of psychotic episode or something like that. I would take them to the hospital myself. Or I would call paramedics. I wouldn't ask for law enforcement. I would never bring law enforcement to my house to handle a situation like that. Um, when it when it comes to you know all this stuff, you come in contact with law enforcement. You got to use your head. I tell people this in class all the time. Um, it, 
I can make you rich, and here's how I'm going to make you rich, okay? If you think that police are doing you wrong, and, and whatever they're doing, they're mishandling you, they're arresting you unlawfully, what you need to do is just comply. You comply. Do exactly what those two black guys did um, in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, where they were sitting in Starbucks. They were actually sitting in Starbucks. The One of the employees called the police, had these guys arrested. They didn't know what was going on. They followed the police instructions. They told them to stand up. They stood up. They told them to turn around, put your hands behind your back. They turned around. They put their hands behind their back. They were handcuffed. And so when they handcuffed them, you know, they didn't say anything. They complied. And you know what happened after that? They became rich. They became rich. You know, you should tell that, you should tell that to Daniel Shaver's family. Hey. Yeah. You comply. Daniel Shaver was just, the kid just that was comply. in the hallway of that hotel. Don't resist. But Michael, this guy Don't did resist, comply. Comply. And and hope, you know, you got to get through that, get through that stop, get through that situation, and then you sue if you think law enforcement is wrong. Compliance does not always on his it, life. equate to life. This is where we need you gotta, you gotta A, look to up the Daniel Shaver. The, Daniel and Shaver. B, and then, there has to be more mental health training in APD. We have got to get, or any police department, we have got to get rid of the militarization stigma. As always, more guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talking with Michael Cargill. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.